It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur. Coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the mayor. Back to the foot. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there is a Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. It's gonna be sick. Marinero on this uh, Friday, May 19th. 10.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the Sick Podcast brought to you by La Bita TV. Brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bita TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bita TV, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, who were recently named by Deloitte, and CIBC as one of Canada's best managed companies, the country's leading business award, which recognizes innovative and world-class companies. The best managed Canadian companies designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress for their customers, their employees, and communities. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities and brought to you part by XL Moto and XLMoto.com at 5480 Paré, the premier motorcycle and scooter dealership in Montreal for over 20 years. In my opinion, the only place to buy a Vespa scooter in Montreal or the best place. They carry seven different motorcycle and scooter brands. Number one, Aprilia and Piaggio ambassadors for the last five years in North America, just ahead of Miami, by the way. XL Moto, your ultimate destination and best customer service experience. Go see my buddies Ali and Vito, and they will take care of you, I am certain. What a crazy day it was today in the National Hockey League. Crazy. we got so much to talk about. We really do. I bring in from the Montreal Gazette and Hockey Inside Out, Stu Cowan. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well, Tony. How are you? 
Very good, very good. Who's uh, somewhat become somewhat of a regular on uh, on Fridays, but Stu is uh, is he is as reliable as they come. Uh, as long as the Canadians aren't playing, you want him on Tuesdays there. You want him on Mondays there. Whichever day you want him, he's there. And uh, even when uh, you text him about an hour and a half before the show, or even less than that, he's there. And uh, Stu, as you know, that is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Tony. Uh, Stu, I knew something was like off when Kyle Dubas was talking the way he was talking a couple of days ago. And it was sincere Mm -hmm. that it was a very difficult year for him and his family. It's very taxing. It takes a toll. But that he didn't even know if he wanted to be back. And if he wasn't going to be back, he wasn't going to another club. And he was going to take a sabbatical. I did not expect, however, the Toronto Maple Leafs to send out a press release today at 12.22 in the afternoon saying that they had parted ways with Kyle Dubas, calling for a 3 p.m. press conference on a Friday afternoon of a long weekend when most media outlets, uh, you know, probably packed it in at around noon and started their long weekend. As a matter of fact, Brendan Shanahan apologized (laughs) for doing it today and calling everyone in for a press conference at around three, three o'clock because it was a long weekend, but, and then he gave us information and he gave us a lot of information. Let's listen in on Brendan Shanahan, three different audio clips that we cut up. When when, look, when a general manager is playing out the last year of his contract, there's, there's always the possibility of a contingency that you might need a new general manager. He might choose to go to another team um, and I think that I felt I had gotten a little bit closer and felt some indications that we were going to work this out. I would say after the press conference on Monday, I was less sure, um, and, I, and I thought there, there is a real possibility that he might not want to do this and that he might need to, I think, as he said, take a step back. At that point, um, I hadn't ruled Kyle Dubas out, but I certainly had to make sure that I was thinking of other options as well. Watching Kyle's press, um, I, I think at that point, it, there was a shift in, in, in my thinking at that moment, a dramatical shift in my thinking as I drove home that night that, as Kyle expressed, he might not want to be our GM, and I have to take that very seriously. I, I, I think we had discussed that certainly um, it was... It was a concern, uh, not just for Kyle, but just, um, but we're speaking about Kyle specifically. I think we discussed the day before that it was a concern for him. Uh, I, I didn't expect that he was going to go out and put that to the public, but nevertheless, um, it, it, it made it all more real and all more serious, certainly. Uh, it presented certainly lots of questions. I have no issue with Kyle's honesty, um, Kyle's emotions. I think Kyle is 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 an honest person all right um there was a lot more to it than that but uh, let's see if i can sum it up here as best i can brendan shanahan said that last year at the end of the season he approached kyle dubas who would be entering the final year of his contract this year and said listen kyle i cannot extend your contract at this time i am happy with the body of work that i've seen thus far but let's play out this season. 
And if you have my word that if things go relatively well, we'll take into account the last five years. And it's my intention to offer you a contract extension at that point. He said that he thought his team had an excellent regular season. He um, told Kyle during the season that he thought they were having an excellent regular season. He thought that uh, Kyle had an excellent trade deadline. And he said that uh, he told Kyle Dubas that he had an excellent trade deadline. Um, before the season was over, he said that he told Kyle Dubas that uh, he wanted to already sit down to start putting together the framework for a contract extension and that he was happy with it. And um, they did that. And, um, and then he said, Kyle Dubas told him, I don't want this to be a distraction. Deal with my agent. He said he dealt with the agent. He said Kyle Dubas had told him at one point that it was taxing on his family. He had told him that. Um, but, you know, they talked about it and they knew it was par for the course. But he said at the end of the year when it was over, he still told Kyle that although he was disappointed that they got eliminated, by Florida that he still thought that, you know, it was an excellent job was done and that he wanted to bring him back. And, you know, but he said, Kyle, sleep on it because I know you said it was a taxing season. And Kyle sent him an email after and told him, yes, I've slept on it. I thought about it, but, you know, less than a week later and told him, I want to continue being the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he said then, he reached out to the agent again, then they got back to him. But then he was taken by surprise that Kyle Dubas told the media everything that he told them. And he had told Kyle Dubas, I would rather you don't speak to the media. I'm not going to speak to the media because I'd like to speak to the media when I'm able to announce a contract extension. And I would like it for it to be the same way with you. Kyle Dubas said he told them that he wanted to speak to the media. The players were speaking, the coach was speaking, and he felt he had to speak. So then he went on to mention that he was very surprised that Kyle Dubas told the media everything that he told them. And it got him to thinking that night that, hey, you know what? If Kyle is having this much of a hard time, it's taking a toll on him and his family. I have to really think about maybe life after Kyle Dubas. And he said that he gave it a good night's sleep and he thought about it. And when he woke up in the morning, he realized that the Toronto Maple Leafs had to go in another direction. And so he went to visit Kyle Dubas at his office and told them that they were making a move. Um, Sammy Yellow, do we have Kevin McGran? Of the Toronto Star on the line, do we? Do we? Kevin, are you there? No. Okay, I thought. Uh, okay, so we're trying to get a hold of Kevin McGran of the Toronto Star, uh, and maybe we're going to get him on a little bit later. All right. Okay. Uh, Stu, what's your entire read? What's your read of this entire situation? That was a bizarre news conference today with Shanahan. It was really weird. I tweeted out earlier, if uh, Rajon Tremblay wants to bring back the Lancet Count TV series, there's an episode right there just on what happened today. Uh, it seemed like he wanted to bring Dubas back. The other thing that 
it seemed like they had a contract agreed to, and then Dubis's agent came back and wanted more. That's and right. That's, that's the piece I was leaving leaving out. You're right about that. Correct. That's that's when Shanahan sort of said, "Okay, enough." That's when he figured I got to make a change because Shanahan, after the, I mean, Shanahan wanted to bring Dubis back. That was the plan. He didn't want him to speak on Monday, like you said. When Dubes speak spoke on Monday, he spoke about the toll. He's only 37 years old. He's got a young family, young kids. The pressure of that job, the fact you're never home, it's got to be harder on his wife and his kids than it is on him. And uh, he spoke about that on Monday. And Shanahan obviously thought, wow, maybe you know this job is eating him up. Maybe he's burned out. Maybe I need to look in another way and let him go spend some time with his family. But then it seemed they figured that part out. And I figured the, the Dubas decided he wanted to come back. He thought about it. And they seem to have a contract agreed to. And then the agent upped the ante, it seems like, from, from what was said today. And that's when Shanahan said, okay, this is enough. I got to go in another direction. But it was a really bizarre news conference today with Shanahan sort of going day by day about how he wanted Dubas to come back. I mean, his choice was to bring him back. He thought he had done a good enough job to come back with the Leafs next season. And then whatever the, as you said, he didn't want Dubas to speak with the media on Monday. He did. Uh, and then I guess Shanahan listening to it realized that, wow, this guy's having a tougher time away from the arena, away from the work than I thought he was. And maybe this time, but, but again, it, it was just, it was really a bizarre, bizarre situation today. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the Leafs are looking for a new jam. Stu, I don't know if I got the wrong read on this, but listening to Shanahan, I almost get the feeling that the negotiation Alamark Bergevin, Andre Markov, Alamark Bergevin, Radulov, got personal at one point. It it probably and, well, it, it, and it, yeah. it picked him off, and he was trying to be as diplomatic and as professional and as cordial as possible during the press conference. But it almost seemed like it ticked Shanahan off because he thought Dubis and his agent were playing him. It seems that way, and Dubas and Shanahan have worked together for a long time. And Shanahan, Dubas was his guy. I mean, he ran Lou Lamorello out of Toronto to make room for for Dubas in that position. And then I, it seems, and speculating from what he said today, it seemed like he thought they had a deal. They thought everything was worked out, and then the agent called back and wanted more. And Shanahan was probably, again, I'm just guessing, upset that uh, Dubas didn't talk to him himself, maybe, and didn't just try and. They went to the agent, and then the agent came back for more. And Shanahan, at that point, as I said, I think he said, "Okay, enough's enough. This is uh, uh, this has gone more than you know." I had my questions, my doubts uh, after what he said Monday about you know his personal life and maybe being burnt out and taking too much of a toll. And now he's pulling this. It's like, okay, enough. I I got to go in a different direction. But I mean, he was Shanahan's guy. I mean, uh, the Shanna plan. Dubas was a huge part of it. And uh, today, I guess maybe Dubas just. Uh, uh, played his hand uh, too much and, and, and tried to get too much out of Shanahan. And Shanahan decided, you know what? I don't need this. It's time to go in a different direction. And the Leafs are headed in a different direction now. It, um, it seemed like Shanahan got the feeling that there was a chance that Dubis was using the Leafs Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. To probably get the framework for a bigger contract to either either accept that contract or if he doesn't accept it, to be able to take that contract to show other teams and say, look what the Leafs were offering us. Well, what's going to be interesting... What's going to be interesting now, Tony, is that Dumas yeah. said Monday at his news conference that he was either going to be back with the Leafs next You're season right. or he wasn't going to be back right. anyway. Now, right. now I wonder about that. I wonder now the way things blew up in his face here or seemed to blow up in his face here, if now maybe he's looking for another job somewhere else that wouldn't have the same pressure on his family. Uh, you know, if you're GM in Carolina or one of those cities, it's not the same as being GM in Toronto or Montreal. <clears throat> you could probably go for dinner in Carolina's GM there and nobody knows who you are. I'm not saying he's going to be GM in Carolina. I'm just throwing that team out there. High pressure job, not just yeah. for him, but for his family. And now I wonder, I wouldn't be surprised if Dubas is back as a GM somewhere else. Well, you know what? The student, <coughs> a great point you bring up. And I almost think that, um, I almost think that he, he can't take another job. Like if he takes another job now, I mean, he loses face because everyone knows he was bluffing. And at the end of the day, he might not care because staying home is going to pay you nothing. And taking a job like that is probably going to pay you about 5 million bucks a year. So I get it. But I, I just, I think he was bluffing. And I think, I think Shanahan called this bluff and said, Oh yeah, you want to play cards? <laughs> Guess what? Royal flush. It's possible. Or maybe Dubas will take a year off now and spend some time with his family and then decide where he wants to go. I mean, I'm sure he's made enough money over the last two years to leave. So it's not like he needs a paycheck next week to survive. Um, but that's, to me, moving forward, that's the two things that would be interesting are obviously who are the Leafs going to hire now as a GM. And secondly, is Dubas going to end up somewhere else? I mean, there's jobs open. You know, the Calgary job's open. Pittsburgh's open. Uh, you know, Mark Bergeron's name's been thrown out uh, as possibilities for those places. Um, the thing with Dubas, though, I mean, the Leafs, he built an incredible regular season team. And Dubas is a huge analytics guy. And I'm not anti-analytics, but they're not the be-all and end-all. And I think with the Leafs, in a lot of ways, they were. And the analytics that he based this team on worked really well in the regular season. Uh, but they didn't work so well in the playoffs. You know, as uh, Joel Edmondson told me this season, uh, he said, you know, the, the playoffs in the N- are the NHL on steroids. It's a different game. you yeah. got to be ready to be hit. you got to be ready to hit. And the, the core four with the Leafs, don't seem to like to get hit that much, and they don't seem to like to hit other people that much. And in the playoffs, that's not a good recipe to win. So the analytics approach that Dubas took in building the Leafs, again, it worked really, you know, they're weak on goaltending, they're weak on defense. Uh, they put all their money into offensive guys that could produce. And then when they don't produce in the playoffs, we saw what happened. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, you know, Shanahan said today that he'd like to get an experienced jam to replace Dubas. Um, so maybe that's taking a different look and maybe not focusing so much on analytics like Dubas did. Um, but again, I, I imagine there will be other teams interested in hiring Dubas. Um, uh, but I get, you know, 
I, I have a feeling you'll probably end up somewhere else next season. That's that's just a gut feeling I have right we'll, now. We'll continue this conversation a little bit later on with Kevin McGran of the Toronto Star, who uh, just got back to me. Looks like he's going to call in a little bit later, uh, probably in about 20 minutes from now. He'll give us a call, and he'll tell us if he thinks Kyle Dubas ends up somewhere else, and we'll talk about who he thinks will be the next general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. In the meantime, Stu, have you been following the situation with Clayton Keller's father? Yes, the tweets. Yes, okay, I did. Yeah, so, now he's saying his account was hacked and uh, wasn't yeah. him. So there uh, were, you know, he basically let it be known that uh, his son was not going to be playing in Arizona next year, and uh, there was a lot of talk about it. By the way, his agents went on Phoenix Sports podcast and said that you know Clayton had a great year. He's a very ambitious player who obviously wants to know where he's playing next year, which arena he's playing in next year, wants to have a very competitive team going forward. And um, so they had to meet with the ownership group and the management team to get a little bit more clarity and certain insurances on what's going on. So following up on what the father said, it certainly looks like it was the father because... Yeah, or someone in the family because the agents were picking up on that and basically saying, "Hey, we need to meet with the team because you know Clayton doesn't want to rot here." Basically, well, without, what, without why would anybody want to play in Arizona right now, apart from the nice weather? Yeah, you know, why would anybody want to play for that team? Yeah, that, if your goal is to win a Stanley Cup, you don't. Well, or I mean, what NHL player wants to play in a five thousand seat arena? You know, I was there with the, when the Canadians played Arizona this season, and you know, it's a great place to watch a game because it's. It, it was certainly you know, I covered the You're two so crap, yeah. I covered the two craft hockeyville games this year in Gander and Booktush and covering the game in Arizona was the same thing. It was like a little community rink uh with an NHL game going on. It's only five thousand seats. It's you know the the Canadians locker room, you have to go outside the arena and literally walk outside to get to the visitors' locker room. It's it's a joke. Like it's not a it's not an NHL, not even close to I mean there's junior teams that have better facilities than them. And um, so it's not, I mean, why would anybody want to play for that team right now? All right. But, so it doesn't so, surprise me what happened. So uh, long story short, his father then tweeted out Wednesday morning while out of town on business. I was informed by several friends. A couple of Twitter messages were apparently sent from my personal account regarding the vote on the proposed arena in Tempe and my son, Clayton Keller's future in Arizona. I'm writing to inform anyone who read those messages that my Twitter account was hacked and the messages were sent out by the hacker. I want to make it clear that I did not authorize these messages and they do not reflect my personal views or opinions. Okay. Um, well, from what I've heard, if your account gets hacked, if your Twitter account gets hacked, it's not like you get it back the next day. You know, it takes okay. a while. It takes a while before, uh, Twitter gets around to fixing the issues or everything's cleared up and you get your account back. So yeah, it's, yeah. No, this uh, matter has been reported and my account is now secure. Everyone who knows me knows my opinions are all mine and I own them. These were not my comments or views on that matter. I want to apologize for any confusion this caused anyone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, it could be that he's hacked or it could be that, he was volunt well, he was, you know, somebody else in the family used his account, which is still hacking. Yeah. Or it could be that his son said, Dad, you're really not doing me any favors here. You're better off mm -hmm. shutting it. Or the agent told Clayton, What the hell is your father doing, man? 
let us yeah. let us handle it and tell your father mm-hmm. to be quiet. Yeah, that's that's probably what happened. That's yeah, or you know, late night tweeting could get uh, people. I'm not sure what time he tweeted that out at, but uh, um, can get you in trouble. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, wow. All right, okay, so that's uh, it's pretty crazy. The Quebec ramparts, by the way, a fall to the Halifax Mooseheads by a score of three to two. So if you were looking for them to win the championship tonight, it did not happen tonight. All right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick Arizona story. While I remember, uh, Tony, when I was there, I went for lunch. There's a sports bar, not far from the uh, mullet arena, which is in the shadow of the like 70,000 seat Arizona state university football stadium. So I went for lunch and I was sitting at the bar and I was having a bite to eat. And I was talking with a young woman working behind the bar and, you know, she said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Montreal. She said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here to cover the hockey game. So, oh yeah, that's right. We got the hockey team here. We got the, like, it's, this is in a sports wow. bar, right? Wow. Like we have the hockey, oh, that's right. We have the hockey team here. Like, then, oh yeah, I, I think I need, I should go to a game one of these nights, one of these nights. It's just, it's. This has been an epic fail, Stu. It's a Gary Bettman doesn't want to admit it. And you know what? Gary Arizona Bettman's don't done, care about hockey. It's, it's as simple as that. He's, he's and, done, look, Gary Bettman's done a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a lot of good things for the Montreal Canadiens, for the, for the National Hockey League, pardon me, not for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, for the National Hockey League and for the owners. But he's failed with the whole Arizona situation. He has failed and he's failed miserably. And it's like, he doesn't want to admit that it's an epic fail. And the more he tries to just try and make it work out, uh, the deeper it gets, it's. Well, he seemed certain that that vote, that the the vote was going to go through and they were going to get the new arena, but it's, you know, it's a little bit similar to like, uh, if the expo is coming back here, would people in Montreal vote for taxpayer money to build a baseball stadium for the expos? I don't think so. I don't think there's enough hardcore baseball fans in Montreal to vote for something like that. And in Arizona, it's the same thing with hockey. There's not enough people who care about hockey. The arena where they were in Glendale, uh, and I've covered games there too. It's it's a be- beautiful arena. It's a beautiful complex built around it. There's lots of bars and restaurants, things to do before and after the games. It's right beside where the uh, the NFL stadium is. And they couldn't get anybody to go there either. So I always thought, like when I was at the Canadians game, this is a 5,000-seat arena. I think attendance was 4,600. It wasn't even sold out with 5,000 people with the Canadians in town. And then they think they're going to build an 18,000-seat arena, and all of a sudden they're going to sell 18,000 seats a game for hockey. It just makes no sense. It makes It's made no sense for a long time to anybody except Gary Bettman. Yeah. Cole Caulfield. Chris Weidman went on the um, Cam and Strick podcast, and he said Cole Caulfield's more than just a goal scorer. What we missed most was his enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. He pulls you into the fight. I love that saying, by the way. He pulls you into yeah. the fight. Well, Brendan Gallagher, that's, people have said that about Brendan Gallagher, and it is similar with Caulfield. And when he went out, Marty St. Louis even said, he says, we're not just going to have to replace his goals. We're going to have to replace the enthusiasm that he brings to the rink every day. And, you know, watching practices this season – when Caulfield, after he was hurt, he was on the bench and he was hooting and hollering and, and really still involved. The kid just loves showing up at the rink every day. He loves everything about being a hockey player. He loves everything about playing for the Canadians. Uh, he's always having a good time, so he never has a bad day. And it rubs off on his teammates. And uh, there's another example of, uh, of that, uh, what you were just saying. Um, so they haven't signed the deal yet. We know that they will at some point. This is the art of negotiation, right? You got two mm-hmm. people who are very good at it. Pat Brisson represents Cole Caulfield, is great at it. Kent Hughes, 
who's a former agent himself, is great at it. Um, and when you have both of them that are great at it, it either gets solved in a week and done in a week, or it might get done in six months. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, there's probably no in between. Uh, are you at well, all? Are you at all concerned? At all concerned uh, that there's a little. There's at a one little point, con- there could be an offer sheet. There's a little concern right now. I would say. Uh, the other thing is, is you know. Pat Brisson is Caulfield's agent. He's also Trevor Zegers' agent. He needs a contract too. So he might be sort of playing the two of them together, trying to get similar type of deals. Uh, um, but, you know, I wrote a column earlier today that's on Hockey Inside Out. And the guys who were drafted the same year as Caulfield, 2019, and have had similar sort of numbers, have signed $7 million a year contracts. So to me, it makes sense with Caulfield that he'd be somewhere in that $7 million range. I can't see the Canes giving him more than what they're paying Nick Suzuki, which I believe is like $7.8 million a year. Um, so a $7 million contract seems to make sense. Um, the thing is, if Cole Caulfield, two years, if he, let's say he signs a seven-year contract for $7 million, and two years from now he scores 50 goals, he's going to be way underpaid. So that might factor in a little bit to his thinking and his agent's thinking. And the Canadians thinking is if we give him all that money, he hasn't really played a full season in the NHL. He's coming off shoulder surgery. He's a little guy. He might get hurt again. So there's a lot of different things going on here. And as I wrote in the column I wrote this afternoon, you wonder if he might Caulfield and his agent might want to take the PK Subban route when Subban's entry level deal landed and he wanted to be paid um, you know about seven million dollars a year, I think it was back then. He yeah. wanted like Drew Gowdy yeah. take the money. And Bergman wasn't willing to give it to him, so he signed a two-year bridge deal, won the Norris Trophy, and they got nine million dollars a year. So I think, you know, I think Caulfield wants to play in Montreal. He said he wants to play in Montreal. He he likes the spotlight here. He handles it really well. He's fantastic dealing with fans. He's fantastic dealing with the media. Uh, he seems to enjoy the spotlight. The Canadians want him here long term, but it's a case of dollars and cents, and and how many dollars. The Canes are willing to give him, but again, to me, the seven million dollar mark seems to be makes sense for a lot of reasons right now. Uh, but the term might be an issue with uh, on both sides. The Canadians might be a little bit concerned that they want to lock him up for seven years and risk injury again. It might be a, a thing for Caulfield. Do I want to lock up for that much when I can get more money later? Um, so I think it will get settled. But the longer it drags on, the yeah. bigger the possibility becomes of what happened with Kotkaniemi with another team coming in with an offer sheet. Yeah, that uh, Subban uh, bridge deal, by the way, was uh, a little bit particular because in the first year of that two-year bridge, his cap hit was 3.109375. And uh, in the second year, it was 2.763889. So long story short, about 3.1 million year one and about 2.8 million year two. And because the player signed after the season started as an RFA, that's why the cap hit and the AAV is different, which usually you don't see a lot of that. At least I don't think so anyway. Well, he held he held out. He missed the start of the season too before yeah. he signed the contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another possibility uh, with Caulfield moving forward. Yeah, because I, I, I think it was Vinny Danfus that said on television that, uh, you know what, uh, he's got to sign the contract or else, um, you know, um, I don't quite remember what he said. He said he's got to sign the contract. 
you know, because he, he basically said, well, he's, he's got, he's got no power or something. I, I believe I read something like that. You know, if I, if I'm off here, but yeah. I believe I, I read he's, he's got no power or whatever he can, like you just said, he can stay home. Yeah. He can stay home. Now it's not going to help and, us and, if he does, but from, could you imagine a, if he yeah. decides to stay home, the Canadians to their fan base saying, you know what? Cole Caulfield decided to stay home. I mean, the Canadians, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to lose that. From a PR perspective, they'll lose that battle. Well, they lost it with Pika. I mean, as I wrote in the column I wrote today, Caulfield, you know, take with the exception of Carey Price, is the most popular player the Canadians have had since PK and the most exciting player they've had since PK. And now they find he finds himself in a similar situation to what PK was in after his entry level deal ended. But again, you know, the thing with, with Cole, no, he hasn't played a full NHL season. He hasn't played a full 82-game NHL season. And the concern maybe from the Canadian standpoint is can he hold up physically through an 82-game season? And he couldn't last season. He had the shoulder injury. And, you know, the, we've read stories about him having to pop the shoulder back in once and then it happened a second time and then they made yeah. him sit out. Uh, but, you know, when, when he agreed to sit out or when the decision was made for him to sit out, I figured at the time a contract was probably more or less set for him to, for both sides to agree, okay, the best thing for him to do now is to sit out and get the operation. He was on pace for 46 goals. If he keeps playing and he gets that 46 or hits 50, uh, mm-hmm. he's worth a lot more money. So if the Canes wanted him to get the operation so he'd be ready to start next season, uh, the agent would be saying, well, we want him to play because we want to see how many more goals. So there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here. And that's why I thought when he had the operation, I thought the contract was probably more or less settled. So that's why it's a little concerning, I think, right now that it hasn't been announced. I thought the Canadians would announce it uh, about a month ago when they cleared out their lockers for the last time. It would have been a nice way to sort of tie a bow on the tie a ribbon, a bow on the ribbon to wrap up the season. You know, we didn't make the playoffs for the second uh, year in a row, but you know, we've had some improvements. Uh, fans are still happy with the team and the progress. And by the way, we've signed Cole Caulfield to a new seven-year contract or whoever it might be and that didn't happen and I, met, I know when Cole met with the media that day and Herb Zerkowski asked him the first question so do you have a new contract and he went nope and it was a very like um a disappointing sort of uh it wasn't yeah. like no I don't it was like nope so it's, it was there was a, uh, a sense a little, of disappointment in his voice that uh, at that this, time he didn't have a contract disappointment and attitude a little bit of, yeah a little bit yeah. yeah a little bit of attitude a little yeah, bit yeah. I mean, nothing yeah. wrong with that you don't become the type of player Cole Coffee Liz or PK Subban was without having a little bit of uh, swagger. swagger and a little yeah. bit of attitude. No, hey, did you see the goal that Yoel Armia scored at the uh, World Hockey Championships versus uh, Hungary? <laughs> yeah, he's he's made for the World Championships, that guy. It's, it's, it's crazy. You know, but th- this guy does stuff sometimes. Unfortunately for him, he just does them every 20 games. Tony, uh, I, watch, I watch the Habs practice. Well, every day when they're at home in Montreal, yeah. I watch this guy and the skill he has and the shot he has and the way he can skate and the way he can protect the puck. You watch him at practice and you go, oh, my God, how does this guy not score 35 goals every year? He is – I can't imagine how frustrating he must be to watch for a GM or a coach or even, I'm sure, some of his teammates because as a journalist watching him, it's frustrating to watch. I mean, he should be a, a – superstar player or a star player in the NHL anyways. He has all the gifts in the world and he just doesn't seem to be able to put it together. I think I've said this to you before. I mean, he's, he's a man of very few words. He's a horrible interview. He doesn't like being interviewed. He's very shy, very quiet. And he plays hockey like a very shy, quiet guy also, which isn't a good thing. 
Yeah. Um, we're going to uh, we're going to go to um, to Kevin McGran in uh, in a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, we'll go to him in a couple of minutes. Uh, just finishing off here on on the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, who else do you have your eye on at the uh, the World Hockey Championships? This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, Hudson, I mean, you know, and Sam Montembeau. Yeah. Um, no, the, if I would have told you a year ago that Montembeau was going to be playing, and listen, I, I told this to George Larac yesterday, and, I, and he said, well, Tony, no one wants to go to the World Hockey Championships usually. But uh, still, regardless, if I would have told you a year ago that whoever was going to be coaching um, Canada at the World Hockey Championships would be happy to have Samuel Montembeau as his goalie, you would have thought, what exactly? Because I wouldn't have bet on that. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, he was one of the brightest if not the brightest spot for the Canes this season. He, he, you know, the year before he played through that painful wrist injury on his blocker uh, side. Uh, every time he made a save with the blocker, it hurt, but the Habs needed him to keep playing because they didn't really have anybody else. And, uh, you know, he went through it. He was rewarded with the uh, two-year, $2 million contract. Um, but he's got, you know, he's another guy that, that uh, Kent Hughes has to sign now in the offseason. Um, I would have been surprised. It's funny that you mentioned about nobody wants to play at the World Juniors. Mike Johnson, I heard him uh, talking a couple of weeks ago, saying that he was invited to go play for Team Canada like four or five times. He only went once, and in hindsight, he regrets it. He said it was an amazing experience. He should have gone more often. He said anybody who's asked should go. Um, it's good to see Montembeau did go. I think it'll be a nice way for him to finish up the season. Justin Barron's there also. Um, so it's one of those things. I think it's a nice way for guys to end the season because you're in, you're not you you travel there you're, you're in the same spot for the whole tournament you're not you know, it's not like you're playing games every night in different arenas uh, get to meet some different players from around the league uh, different coaches new systems I think it's a really I think this will be a really good experience for Montebo and it'll be interesting to see how he can carry it over into next season might give him a Commonwealth of Canada can go a long way and maybe win a gold medal or a silver medal it could give him a real confidence boost coming into training camp next season but again he has to be signed to a contract also uh, Stu thanks so much for doing this again the way you usually do it on Friday nights much appreciated we'll talk to you soon have a great weekend Okay, you too, Tony. All right, enjoy your pool. All right, there you have it, Stu Cowan. We bring in from the Toronto Star. He's going to do it by phone. We very much appreciate him doing this under short notice. He's one of the best. Kevin McGrann, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Tony. What's going on? Hey, Stu Cowan and I from the Montreal Gazette, we were talking about the Toronto Maple Leaf situation earlier today. I mean, we, we found it uh, very telling when Kyle Dubas said what he said at the year-end presser that uh, he didn't even know if he was going to be back as the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager. But if he wasn't, he wasn't going to be a GM in the National Hockey League for the next season. Uh, he At that point, he would take a sabbatical. He just found it very taxing on him and on his family. But we didn't expect a couple of days later for there to be an announcement at 12.22 p.m. on the Leafs Twitter account that Kyle Dubas was relieved of his duties as general manager. And Brendan Shanahan called a 3 p.m. presser and uh, there's uh, there's so much that came out of that presser, but um, there's a couple of tweets that I liked. One from Frank Saravalli of the Daily Faceoff, who said, 
after Dubas's press conference against Shanahan's wishes, Shanahan had a shift in thinking. And when Dubas's agent presented a new financial package, Shanahan said he got to a different place. Um, yep. There's one that pretty much sums it up. There's another one that I think was interesting from Sid Sixero, who said, Kyle Dubas timeline, Leafs eliminated. Shanahan's still ready to offer Dubas a deal. Dubas has his press conference. Shanahan looks at Dubas differently thereafter. Dubas agent makes a counteroffer. Dubas fired. And that's uh, well said as well. What did you make of this presser? What did you make of this announcement, Kevin? So I'm really, to be quite honest with you, I'm still trying to digest it all. I like Kyle Dubas an awful lot. I think he's going to get a job in hockey. He could walk into one tomorrow if he so wanted. I know he said that he's that the Leafs are nowhere else, but you know something tells me that time will he'll think better of that and he'll land somewhere uh, sooner as soon as he wants to. He will get a job in hockey. I, I think he's a brilliant mind. I think any team would be lucky to have him. So when you hear about, you know, when you saw the the emotions of that day on Monday when he talked about what this job had done to his family and and uh, all of the, uh, you know, he, he looked burnt out. He really did. And he looked like his family was taking the brunt of, of everything and he wanted to protect them. And you really, really felt something for him if, you know, no matter what you thought of him as a as a general manager, you felt something for him and what he was going through in that moment. Then you go through what 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 uh, Brent, the timeline that Brandon Shanahan went through, where he saw that too, he felt that too, and he thought he started to think of Kyle Dubas in a different manner. Basically, you're kind of reading at that point: is Kyle Dubas all in as general manager? And then you get to you know the the Shanahan timeline where everything was copacetic until Monday, like there was an offer on the table, everything that the agent had asked for. Shanahan was complying with Duba sort of puts off accepting the offer and by Thursday the Dubas camp has come up with a brand new offer so that tells me the family was fine with uh, Dubas continuing in the role Dubas just wanted more money and more power and Shanahan said no because when is the last time anybody at MLSE has ever said that's too much money no no one's ever said that at MLSE before and suddenly they're doing it so there's something yeah. just it's kind of a lot more. Um, I'm surmising. I mean, it's educated guesses. It's talking to people, but there's still a lot that we don't know. Certainly, uh, Kyle has not given his side of the story. I, I, I think obviously he was looking for more money. He was looking for somewhere in the Shanahan money. Uh, he was looking for more power, Shanahan power. Um, you know, there's rumors of a rift between the two that things were not necessarily as copacetic as they presented. I know yeah. each year as general manager, he sat and watched the game mostly with, with, with Brendan Shanahan, but not this year. He sat in the press box again in the leaf, in the leaf box behind the media. With, with Jason so, Spezza, who, by the way, handed his resignation earlier today and, as and well. When Jason Spezza, who bleeds blue and white, hands in his resignation, it tells you there's a lot going on. Um, I'm here with a couple of writers. Uh, it's sort of it's the Friday night after. The, now it feels like the season is the season is finally over because we have some closure, and yeah. the next season is about to begin because we have a lot of questions. And it's like we kind of agree the uh, 
the uh, the circuses back in Toronto. Like, yeah, you know, this is what it felt like. Collected for a few years, but now yeah. it's like it's now that. Uh, can I swear on your show now? Yeah, yes, you can. It's a podcast. Uncensored. Say whatever you want. We're looking forward to the shit show, basically. I I hear you, bud, and and thank you for doing that. By the way, we appreciate. It. Listen, I, I my my interpretation of everything we heard today is that. I thought Shanahan tried to make it as diplomatic and as professional as possible, but I got the feeling that he was ticked off with Dubas. I have a feeling that he thought that Dubas and or his agent were playing him uh, either for leverage or whatever. He didn't think it was cool. And it was like he went to bed last night and he said, these guys are playing me. Screw them. And he woke up this morning and he said, Pack your stuff. You're fired. By the you know, way, I, Tim Peel. I go ahead. Go ahead. I if I had to pick which one of these guys uh, I would have to run my franchise, I would probably pick Dubis. Um, uh, my both are sort of standoffish. They're not really you know media friendly kind of guys. I mean, they'll always smile and laugh and have a few jokes, but they like to keep their distance i'll put it that way mm-hmm. but i uh my my respect level for brendan shanahan went up a ton during that news conference because i thought he handled it really really well i mean you don't see people laying it all out and presumably it's all out like i don't know there, he might have you know, twe- tweaked it to make himself look good or the organization look good but it was a really really forthright news conference where he sort of laid out everything that was going on in his mind. And yeah. you, you often don't see that, right? They, they In hockey in particular. No, but Kevin, they, you know why I think you saw it? Check. I think you saw it because I think he was being brutally honest because that's the way it played itself out. So he was very fluid in talking about it because he didn't have to lie about it because that's the way it was. I think he believes that Dubas and his agent did not handle this whole situation well. I believe he thinks that he did. And the Leafs did, and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to lay it all on the line. I'm going to let everyone know about it, and then I'll let others judge. And that's it. Yeah, and 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 that's why my respect level, as I said, for Brendan Shanahan went up a great a great amount today because I just thought he that both like it's weird like both press conferences were were honest like they were you could see the raw emotion. You saw it more with with Kyle Dubas. Yeah. Brendan was a little bit more controlled, but I can see why you interpret it the way you do. Like, you're, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. You're yeah. probably right. But but it was it, it's been a week of amazing theater, right? Like, because yeah. no one saw what Dubas had to say coming on Monday. And by Thursday, it's a completely different conclusion. It wasn't the family at all. It was a breakdown in money, yeah. and contract costs, and power, and all of that. Like, it was... It's an opera. It's a soap opera. And, yeah. and we haven't seen that in Toronto in a long, long time. We've seen Edmonton sort of implode and Mon- and, uh, and, uh, and Vancouver implode and maybe Calgary a little bit. But in Toronto, it's largely been under control in Shanahan's era. And now it isn't. Now it's sort of a little bit out of control, especially when, when Jason Spezza hands in his resignation. It's like, now what's happening? And for me, like I asked the question, what, who are you looking for in another general manager? And I wasn't expecting necessarily the answer that I got because he said he wants somebody with experience mm-hmm. kind of drops my job because it's the most sense 
is to move Brandon Pridham into the general manager's chair. Keep some continuity. Keep all those relationships intact that you have with your with your players and their families and their agents because Brandon Pridham is really the guy that handles all of that. Okay. And now you're like, you're really, you, you say you're going to rely on him while you look for someone with more experience. Yeah. But, but let me ask you this. Leading when, and white and making all of these amazing moves that kept them under the cap and kept them competitive. Yeah. Like, to me, that was, it's like a whole other area. Like where this team goes from here forward is, is uh, that's, and they have such little time to get it all. Yeah. Like the GM has got to come in and he's got to figure out, he's got like six weeks. If they hired him on Monday, he'd have six weeks yeah. to figure out whether he's going to trade or keep Matthews and Marner. Kevin, when he, when Shanahan chose Kyle Dubas, didn't he choose Kyle Dubas over Mark Hunter? Yes. And, and over Lou Lamarello, which is really yeah. hard. Well, right? Lou, you know, and Lou's Lou not going there. anywhere, but any chance that Shanahan goes back to Mark Hunter? I don't think anybody that's been here before has a chance of coming back. I think once they move on from you, they move on from you. I love Mark Hunter. I I still have a relationship with him. And I I hear he's actually in in line for the job in Calgary. And that, I think that would be a great fit for him. But I don't think that, I don't think any organization moves forwards by going backwards, even as good of a a talent, uh, a a talent uh, spotter as as Mark Hunter is. I think they're going to, they're going to go forward. I I have a few names. I mean, we've heard, uh, Shirelli, uh, yeah, veteran names like, uh, uh, well, we kind of think Sheldon Keefe is probably done as a coach. So what better combo to come in than Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville try to reproduce the luck they had with, with Chicago for a few years. I know they have uh, their sins to atone for, but uh, I think they've atoned. And, and, and if Shanahan tells Gary Batman he wants them, I don't think the commissioner is, is going to stand in the way of a former loyal employee and the guy that basically turned the tide towards the uh, owners in the, in the 2005 lockout. He's not going to turn yeah. back on Brandon Shanahan. This guy uh, is the most opinionated, outspoken official in the history of the National Hockey League. I'm talking about Tim Peel. You probably didn't see this because, like you said, you're having a pint with the boys, so I won't keep you much longer, maybe one or two more minutes here. But he tweeted out, Tim Peel did, okay, can we please stop with the Toronto media making Kyle Dubas out to be this GM guru? He won one round in five years. Mark Bergevin and Scott Mellenby had way more success. This is ridiculous. And then he hashtags Lease Forever and Hockey Twitter and Go Habs Go. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put it this way. So I've been covering this team a long time, and I went a stretch of uh, 11 or 12 years where they made the playoffs exactly one time. Now they're on a run of seven, and I know – they should have done better against Columbus and they should not have lost to Montreal. Sorry about your fans there, but there's no way they should have lost to Montreal in 2021. Coin flips kind of the rest of the way and they won the coin flip against Tampa and then they, you know, ran into a hot goalie. Like this team is better than its record indicates in terms of the playoffs. Regular season, like you can run these guys back, add, you know, I got what I think they need eight or 10 free agents to, to come in at about 15 or 17 million dollars okay get those guys and and the core that's here will get you 100 and 100 105 points and you're back in the playoffs and you're flipping a coin again uh, in a year's time so i i actually don't mind that i'm sort of a glass half full sort of guy because i covered way too many years where the playoffs were nothing but a dream and you know this year they were one of the last eight teams to play that's that's hard 
right? That's, that is hard. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't happen. And so I, like, I get the frustration from the fan base that they haven't won more than a round. You know, like they haven't, I certainly haven't won the Stanley Cup in 56 years. That seems like a pipe dream. But at the same time, you got to be in the playoffs. To, you got to have a ticket to win it. And they, they can punch that ticket pretty easily by just running it all back and, and hoping for, uh, to win the coin flip. Because when you, when you watch uh, any of the playoff games, they're one goal games. Like, it's, do you hit the post or does it just pick the corner? Do you, do you, does the goalie get a stick on it? Does it go off a skate? That's what it comes down to in the playoffs. It's kind of ridiculous, but that's essentially what it is. It's it's like a randomizer. It's like ping pong balls out of the thing. Who's getting Connor Bedard? Who's winning tonight? Yeah, numbers up, you win. In ending, what would you say if the Leafs hired Mark Bergevin as general manager? I I think I, I like Mark. I've I, I've dealt with him a little bit over the years. I think he's a smart guy. He put he knew he knew uh, in that in that COVID year that he, if he put a roster together. Uh, they could uh, they could go somewhere and and he managed to get that roster together. Like I thought, I, I mean, I never fully understood why Montreal traded away Tyler Toffoli because he's a hell of a player and they'd be a much better team with him. But he brought in the guys that that helped that team win that year, and uh, I, I I think he's smart. I think he sees a, a a bigger picture, and I'd be all for it if Mark Bergman was in. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time. I mean, you were having a pint with your buddies, and I took you away. Very much appreciate it, Kevin. I hope you're doing well. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Tony. We'll talk to you again. Cheers. All right. There you have it. Kevin McGrath of the Toronto Star. All right. Okay. Pretty cool. Hey, uh, today was uh, was a, a big day because uh, Jean-Charles Lajoie and I, and uh, I mentioned that I'm Jean, Jean-Charles' radio show as a collaborator on BPM Sports uh, Monday to Friday at around 8.05 a.m. en français in French. And also collaborator on his TV show, uh, TV show GEC at TVA Sports, Monday to Thursday at around 5.30 p.m. And it was back on March 27th uh, that we basically threw a challenge out to each other, and uh, it was to get our weight down. And, um, you know, um, I had promised to lose 25-plus. Jean Charles had promised to lose 21 pounds-plus. And uh, so today was the day that we had to get on the scale and uh, mission accomplished for me. I lost 30 pounds or I have lost 30 pounds even. So today the scale was 30 pounds less than it was back on March 27th. So I'm pretty happy about that. But as for Jean Chal, um, he was 258.4. So the scale needed to show 237.4 but before we get to him getting on the scale because i'd love to show you i thought it was uh it was pretty comedic stuff that we did today i thought it was pretty good as i just sneezed all right okay uh i probably lost another pound hopefully uh as i made my way into studio he was um um exercising to try and lose some pounds uh, I was exercising, and then at one point, as we were we bumped into each other, and then a scrap broke out. I don't even know. Do we have the scrap? Oh, look at this! Look at this! Look at this, folks. Tell me what you think. You could tell Chris Nyland was one of my favorite players growing up. Hey, eh? there comes his glasses. Come off. I grab his hand. There we go. Look at that. Oh. There we go, there we go, there we go. 
I don't cut the hoodie. Look at that. 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 And then as he tries to come back, watch this. I sweep the leg. Watch my right foot. Boom. <laughs> oh, man. One, two, three. It's over. That's it. He's out. So that was it. It set the tone. I make weight. Uh, no problem. And then he's got to go on the scale. And it's got to hit 237.4. Let's take a look. He had to take off his boxers because he was over. He had to go to 237.4. 238. There we go. So he failed to uh, realize uh, his objective, his goal by 0.6. He failed to hit it by 0.6. And according to him, uh, he was under the 237.4 yesterday afternoon, but he had a night last night where he ate the wrong things and uh, he probably had an alcoholic beverage or two and he ended up going just over. So the bet was if you don't hit your objective, you have to be in your boxers at the end of the show on Friday, May 26th at 9 a.m. And you have to run down Laurier Street. I don't know how much of Laurier he's going to run down. I'd actually like for him to run around Laurier and um, and St. Viator all around. I'd like for him to be able to do like at least a kilometer of running. So I don't know how much running he's going to do, but it's going to take place on uh, Friday, May 26th at, uh, at 9 a.m. Um, you know... I obviously wanted, you know, every time a challenge is issued, you you want to come out on top. So I wanted to win this. And uh, I obviously wanted him to lose it. So I can see him run around in his boxers. But um, unfortunately, Jean Charles doesn't know some of the people I know. Because if it would have been me in the last day and you need to cut weight, uh, I'd give my friend Luigi Melli a call. And Jean Charles should have called Luigi Melli, and I bring him up, of LTC Nutrition and Performance. And I wanted to give him a shout-out because uh, he is, as you can tell there by the bio, he's helping athletes reach their full potential, fight camp, custom meal plans, and weight cuts to achieve peak performance. When it comes to weight cuts, this guy is a guru. He's an expert, so much so that he obviously caught the attention of the MMA world, and they've reached out to him, and several fighters have talked to him, and several coaches have talked to him and used his services in terms of, you know, one, you know, one day before or two days before or three days before, I need to cut weight. And, uh, and um, you know what? What do I do? Luigi Melli is the guy that they go to in terms of cutting weight, like with a day to go, two days to go, or three days to go. He's got all the little tricks and stuff like that where you can cut within a day or two. So Jean Chal, next time, you know, you want to do some kind of contest like this, you got to think of Luigi LTC, uh, nutrition and performance. And uh, if he's good enough for the MMA world and he's good enough for the boxing world, he should have been good enough in your world. Now you know, and now you can use the services, and now it's okay because I won my bet, I won my challenge, and you lost the bet, and you lost your challenge. 
I look forward to seeing him run around the block on uh, Friday, May 26th at 9 a.m. I look forward to seeing that. Why don't we bring in Agnello and Sammy? We've got a couple of minutes to go here. We don't have to go a couple of minutes, but what's, what's going on? What's going on? Huh? Hey, what did you think of uh, tucking the shirt over the head? At one point, I put the garbage bag in front of his face. Then I tucked, I put the hoodie over his head. Then I started wailing away. Then I sweeped the leg. You definitely have a gig in WWE, that's for sure. I, I, I told you, I'm from the streets. Yeah. In LaSalle, you have to learn how to fight when you're five. No, no, you this, is not, uh, this is not uh, the West Island here. This is not Kirkland, where, where you're from, where no, no, you, you don't have to learn how to fight growing up. You got to find your gig with WWE. We got to make some calls. You know what? Yep. It's, it's great for Logan Paul, yep. who also has a podcast. I can feel all as well. By the way, I enjoy Logan Paul's podcast very much. I don't I think really it's watch. a good. Hey, I don't really watch his. No. No, I like Logan Paul's podcast. I I obviously like Pat McAfee's podcast. is very very Pat good. Feel a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, those are two guys that have competed in the WWE. Yeah, that's why you're next. But I I I I, I no, I can't do that. I mean, it's one thing to throw a few, and I know you're kidding. Obviously, <laughs> I know you're being sarcastic, but it's one thing to throw a few fake punches. It's another thing. WWE, tremendous athletes. What they do is crazy. Tremendous athletes. You know what? I think what Logan Paul does is crazy. Yep. Logan Paul, his athleticism has blown me away. No. And by the way, Jake Paul too. Jake Paul's a great, Jake Paul is a, he's a, I'm not going to say a great boxer, but he's really surprised me. And he's really, and he's got a, he's got a knockout punch. And uh, I, I saw some uh, some video highlights of him in training a couple of weeks ago as he prepares. I think he prepares to fight Nate Diaz, right? Is it Nate or Nick or whatever? Anyway, he's prepared to fight one of the Diaz brothers. But he looks really good, Jake Paul. Well, think of it. They went from YouTube stars to that. It's crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what they did. My God, the money they've made, eh? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, what are the chances of us becoming YouTube stars and making that kind of money? You are a star already. And was it too You are. No, listen, you know what a star is? They got their own jet, man. Yeah, that's all we're missing. We need to get a jet. You know, I got a 2012 truck and it's in the it's been in the body shop for the last two weeks. I mean, they got their own jet, you know, and I haven't been able to replace it. So do you they got their own jet? Listen, do you think if we start a GoFundMe page, we'll raise enough money for a jet? No, we don't need to do that. <laughs> we don't need to do that. Hey, you have a good weekend, okay, bud? Thank you, man. Are we gonna see each other this weekend or what? Definitely. Yeah. What's the weather like tomorrow? I think it's raining tomorrow. No. Yep. Your pool open yet? It's getting there. It's getting there? Yeah. By next week? Next week. All right. I'll be invited. I put a lock on the door. It must be too. All right. Yellow and Sammy. They're Cavallaro. And the Sick Podcast brought to you in part by La Bita TV. Embrace your true nature. Energy Transportation Group. And XL Moto and XLMoto.com. Look at Sammy. Look at him. Always on that phone. Right now, you know what he's doing? He's buying stocks. <laughs> he's buying stocks. Right now, he just pulled a $100,000 transaction. <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> Two years ago, Yahoo Finance, top 15 entrepreneurs under 20 in Canada, came in at number four. Yep. He's the man. He's the reason why I'm doing this. And Sammy, I trust. Sammy, who? 
Sammy Cavallaro. He's Cavallaro. I'm Marinero. The Sick Podcast will be back Monday night, same time, same place, 10 p.m. with Eric Engels. And by the way, the uh, owner, co-owner, minority owner of the Seattle Kraken, Mitch Garber, has already confirmed he's going to join us on Tuesday night. We're going to have some great podcasts next week. You join us. Have a great weekend. Ciao for now. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature.